This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. And in this episode, I have Ryan Smith from Hunt AZ a uh, new buddy of mine who's been a listener since day one. I've had him on before, and today he's just helping me tell my hunting story of my over-the-counter archery elk and bear that I just had hunt that I just had the other day. So um, here we are with with uh, me and Ryan just telling a hunting story. Uh, but before we get to that, just remember, if you would, please uh, go down to, if you're an Apple podcast, scroll down and give me a five-star rating, please, and subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a little nice review if you wouldn't mind. And if you've uh, lost or listening to this on kind of an odd platform, we've moved, uh, but it looks like everything's kind of followed where we're at, but we are now with Waypoint TV. So that's uh, kind of a cool little move. Hoping to have them help me get some more guests and some more resources. So thanks for listening and enjoy. All right, Ryan, thanks for jumping on the podcast again. Who talking about hunting together and we'll look I was gone for a week and I haven't I didn't want to bring up to my wife that I was still planning on my hunt in Arizona. Like the day after I got home, it's still like happening. I just want to, there's appropriate times to bring things up. So I got to kind of work on that again. She knows, she told me it's fine. It was gone week and two weekends in Colorado. Elk and bear hunting were, they were testing for her. She was, she was quite tested on a variety of things. So, um, yeah, I, I you had mentioned kind of just through some text of, Let's uh, talk some stories together. I got some lessons learned and things that that happened that are uh, the ups and downs of hunting. And I, I threw a picture up on Instagram of me with a bull, but 
I just didn't feel right smiling next to it. So there's definitely a, a few, few things there that, that I can't, yeah, I didn't know how to, I've been through them before, but I didn't know how to deal with. So Ryan, thanks for coming on. Not a problem, man. Um, so first off, before we get rolling, what do you got going with Hunt 80Z lately? I've been seeing a few, you've been, you've been doing a lot. Yeah, I've been busy. Um, elk season just kicked up here in Arizona. I think we're today would be day seven into archery elk season. Just before that, we had some archery deer seasons going on. So, uh, I've just been super busy with the Instagram stuff, really not hunting much, not getting out in the field. I've been getting out a little bit scouting for, um, I've got a coos deer tag in November and then I'm typically mule deer. Uh, and it works out. I have a friend that has a rifle tag in that same unit. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. We're, we're figuring it all out. Oh, good. Good, but, good. Yeah. Been super busy. Just pictures of bulls and pictures of bucks coming through That's, daily. Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. And we are kind of talking now there. We're kind of struggling size-wise due to drought and stuff. Do they kind of pick up a little bit? Yeah. I've, um, I don't know. I really, what I've seen, I think it looks like a lot of the back ends are where, where the growth struggled there. They have a lot of like the fifths and sixths don't look too good. Um, mm. but we've, I've seen a couple, couple 400 inch bulls. Um, and then a lot, I'm not seen in person, but pictures of those being killed. And oh, then, geez. uh, a few, I just got a, a text this morning, a hunt that I was actually supposed to be on. I, I was supposed to be on an elk hunt, um, this week, but some stuff happened. Uh, I had a cousin get drawn for a moose tag in Colorado. So I adjusted my schedule and decided that I was going to do that this year instead of elk hunting. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Uh, but, you, you ju- just posted, uh, my buddy Cody Fish's monster bull. Oh yeah. He shot that with the trad bow. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I shot with him at alpha bow hunting this year and kind of gotten to know him a little bit through that. And I shot my trad bow there. So I was, we've kind of been talking a little bit back and forth. So he's a good dude. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was sweet to see a monster bull with a trad bow. And that is so funny because that dude can shoot, but then we were, he, he can miss, (laughs) but he was joking because he's, yeah. Cause he's, he's shot with, uh, Aaron, Snyder as well and a few times and he said that dude can shoot but he doesn't post those on Instagram he can miss too so it's just and it was funny as soon as he got warmed up at alpha it's like holy crap dude you can shoot it was pretty sweet and he just yeah he'd shoot against us compound bows with his trad bow so it was really yeah and he, he wouldn't wouldn't do very well score wise but He's like so devoted. Yeah, he's so devoted to. Is like I'm carrying my stick bow. I'm carrying it around, and this is what I'm going to do with. I do it with. So it's cool to see uh, him just devoted to that. So he did two divisions: the trad division and the hunter division, uh, men's open. Just, just so he could run it some more. So it's fun. It it seems like the uh, the trad bow community has kind of been growing. Um, yeah, I haven't, I don't really, you know, I, I'm not into it. I don't do it. Actually, I haven't archery hunted in a few years, but, uh, there's, there's a couple of trad bow guys that, that follow me and that I follow as well. And, and it's cool to see all the stuff they're doing and it's, they're, 
community's just growing bigger and bigger. It seems like more people are doing it. Yeah. I down for the season. <laughs> so I'm going to come back to it in the, the springtime. And it's definitely one of those things like, I don't feel good about going hunting with it. So I'm just, yeah. I'm not going to, I would rather yeah. spend my time and practice with my bow. And that's what I did. I spent some time and brought my compound out to, to Colorado. My, my dad was supposed to come out. Uh, sadly, he just couldn't, couldn't do it. Just a ton of expense. One of those years of expenses like crazy of vehicles having issues and whole whole AC replacements in the house, just expensive, expensive stuff. So he made a wise decision and not going, but we, uh, two years ago we had a an amazing amazing time in the field and he got hooked where we just brought in bull after bull after bull and he he ended up sticking one and um yeah it was a it was a great great hunt so he he got addicted but just could not make that hunt this year and said well you gotta go (laughs) you still should go because i'm i don't know how many more years i i got of uh before there's another kid coming around and and kind of not messing that up, I should say, but you know, <laughs> uh, needing to raise another little kid. So you need to yeah. try and get it done and w- while it worked out. So, yeah. So that, that hunt that he killed a bull on, that was what, 2019 you said? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it was just a nice little, little reg, reghorn bull. So, um, but we had 10 bulls that year within 30, 30 yards. And I think we had, uh, we watched a couple of really nice big six points, but yeah, so he just stuck a little bull and, and that was a, we had 10 bulls within 30 yards that, that year and had, uh, uh, we don't, we don't definitely don't get the bulls like you guys do down there. We don't, Colorado struggles to get the beam length, yeah. um, not Arizona bulls, not New Mexico bulls, right. uh, but there was a couple uh, one specifically that we watched and we called in four of his his satellites uh just a an amazing year and he stuck one of those and had yeah, uh yeah. you can definitely find you can definitely find good bulls in colorado for sure it's just i think a lot of it a lot of colorado and, and i hunt more east of where at least where you used to live i don't know where you hunted this year but um i hunt some good bulls but pretty typical nothing great but it also Mm -hmm. gets hammered with hunters i mean the uh the hunting pressure in colorado everybody it's like you've said before it's a destination place so everybody's coming there um i have buddies that were hunted there this year from new york um and like i said i kind of hunt further east further south and it uh it looks like a dallas cowboys parking lot man all the (laughs) texas license plates are everywhere well and it uh like a broncos parking lot because a lot of those guys use their broncos hats for (laughs) yeah orange even though it's like yeah it's not really blaze orange but yeah anyway they yeah i was surprised though i i know the the point creep was like more than a point creep it was points creep uh this year in colorado and seeing those numbers jump double more than Mm -hmm. one point and the number of applications you see that across the nation of multiple people doing that but i had less pressure this year in my areas and it was yeah it was pretty sweet we 
my first couple days I spent just kind of going and checking my, my usual little areas that are not too, not, not too much of a hike in there. I, I was hiking, hunting with my buddy who is not really in the shape to be doing that, but he, uh, he knows elk hunting. So, and, and we just have a heck of a time. So definitely fun, fun hunting with him, but we checked out our usual spots and I think what happened, and I chatted with the game warden a little bit, things that happened is there just in a few of those areas that it was it was kind of rough hunting for a little while. There's big bulls and good bulls around in there, but it got so packed with people and people were not having success that finally people said, screw it, I'm going to move on to something else. And yeah. I think I caught the year when they said, I'm going to try somewhere else. Or it's a... Yeah, I don't, actually, I don't even know. It, it it wasn't wasn't too bad. There wasn't as many campers in that main area, and we had uh, I had a bull come in without me really knowing it on the kind of our first one of our first little hunts. I dropped down in this little bowl, had because uh, I had heard a bugle in there, seen a cow kind of from the opposite ridge, dropped down in there, tried to get my wind right. And then didn't realize how kind of thick it was. And I ended up just in this thick stuff that I could not really navigate through very well and get any shooting lanes. And my buddy watched from a distance and he said at one point he was coming in and he was coming in hot and fast and he left hot and fast, like the full on throw his head back and just go and just go. So I don't know what point in there he came in. The wind was perfect the whole time, so I don't know kind of what happened there, but it was one of those. I've pushed myself to be a little bit more aggressive at times and to get in close, but this time it actually was probably too aggressive. I need to be, I'm feeling like I need to have some aggression, but then I need to be patient. So be aggressive and get into a certain range and then just be patient and wait for things to happen Um, because it was the morning. They were probably just feeding around in that thick stuff and ready to move on to wherever. So I probably yeah, just with, the, with that with that aggression, I've I've learned that like I, I over the last couple of years, I learned I was being aggressive, but too aggressive from too far. Right. And then I think last year I kind of I tightened up where I wouldn't get aggressive until I got into that hundred yard range kind of deal, that hundred, 150. Mm-hmm. And then you get aggressive and make that bull nervous where all years before i I hear a bull and I start bugling or whatever I'm doing and I'm just driving them away. I could never catch up with them. Well, last year I learned aggression was nice as long as you're in tight on them. Yeah. But anyways, that's, that's another story. Yeah. I, so I, that, that was just a little real quick little morning hunt and backed out and I got a, text from a buddy he's not even really a buddy i don't even know him uh he we pulled his vehicle out of my little honey hole that i got he got stuck in their little area that i'm hunting so i said hey let's trade numbers so we can coordinate let each other know it's not that huge of an area it's like you're hunting thousand acres to two thousand acres of this of this little chunk so it's not right. huge, and it's got one entrance into it, so you know who's in there. So I tried to get each other's number, and we didn't. Been kind of just coordinating, and he was the only one going in there, and he filled his tag right away. 
shot a little raghorn and he uh lost the head and the one of his one of his meat bags of probably the good stuff or something like that all to a bear so no way yeah yeah he texted me and asked me to look for it and i said hey show me a waypoint of where you where you lost it but he never did (laughs) somewhere on 2000 acres there's a (laughs) there's a head head out there yeah so that that was a bummer but um especially after the pack out that i i saw kind of some of the signs of where he was at and i think that was a rough rough pack out for come home with three quarters it's like shooting a cow way too far in just yeah yeah you can do it a lot closer than that (laughs) so yeah so he coordinated he was the only one in there uh he was out by sunday um my whole trip was saturday to the following monday so like a full week and two weekends basically and right so lots of time which was really great i took jim shockey's advice full on and wanted to just be patient and just enjoy the time, uh, not be in a rush. Let's just figure it out and do what I need to do in the field and, and be a respond to the, whatever I see, not, not let me just like, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta get in there. So, um, just had a, that's why I was checking out those other spots to begin with. Then I was going to go into my, my, my good spot. And because he had said he was done in there, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, the next day I'm going to go on. So Monday, that was my pack in day. All, everything hit the fan at home. My, my dog was having issues and my wife had to run the dog to the vet, like ER. Um, so I had that happen. My wife is not feeling well, have a three-year-old that was, and they're having to wait in the ER parking lot for all that. So there was oh. a bunch of compounding things just at home that just were added stresses. And then a little well, this- dr- drama with her family, which added to that, which was very irritating. Um, so I had to stay within cell range until 4 o'clock, just being on the phone, trying to deal with that, trying to get her some help she needed, figure out what to what to do. So... Monday, I was like, I can't get in there, can't get in there, um, which is an hour drive from uh, where I was hanging out, and then a half hour four wheeler ride, and then it started. That's the trailhead. So I had a pretty rough hike in. It's not very far, about a mile and a half before I just take my bow out of the bow slicker and. Uh, I kind of just get situated to start hunting. So not too terrible far, but that's the start of it. So I set my pack down after doing that little bit of hike and get my bow ready, just get my release in my hand and all that sort of stuff. And then as soon as I did that, bull bugles above me. (laughs) The timing is just beautiful. Perfect timing, yeah. Yeah, but this is not the only time I've had this. I'm hiking into the bottom of this drainage. I'm in the bottom of this drainage. And the wind's fine because it's it's in the evening and it's starting to drop. Yeah. And so the bulls are above me, but I have this every time that I walk into that place. I get those bulls in the evening bugling on the way in above me. And they just sort of creep up and creep up and creep up. And then they shut up and are gone. So I've never been able to even see those bulls on that ridge when I – I don't know 
what I'm doing wrong there or, but maybe it's just coming from below them. They don't have any care or they just, they kind of know hunters come from that from spot. The bottom. So I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. I, that, I got within range of a spike and we can't shoot spikes obviously here. Had, I think there was about two bulls in there somewhere that were kind of just kind of going back and forth. But I think that's the, the bulls I found the next day. So anyway, that was, got in there just at that last light, made it to my camp just past dark, which is, I don't know, three miles in or so and set that up it was hot it was really really warm it was it was kind of miserable at night to sleep it couldn't do i couldn't even like lay in my bag without sweating and you didn't didn't want to have sleep on top of it because then it was almost too cold so it was just this weird temperature of i hated it i didn't sleep yeah that uncomfortable point where you're getting no sleep but you're getting any sleep you do get's not good sleep. Yeah, you guys have no idea how that is down there in the desert with the heat. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about the heat, right? No, um, no, it's and it's been crazy. It's, I mean, we're in the middle of September and it was, I think it was 105 oh my gosh. a couple days ago. I mean, it was 100 yesterday and today. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Jeez. And then fortunately enough, this year we got a lot of rain, which was nice, but it made it uncharacteristically humid. You know, so we're, we're not used to that here. I mean, but yes, honey, but then you think about the kids in, in school and playing football right now and they're yeah. trying to play that in pads and full gear. You're going to, you have kids pass out. It's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we, I, I didn't really set an alarm. I don't really need to set an alarm too much. I just kind of woke up and it's like six, that, that six internal clock kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. Six yeah. 30 and. Um, it, it's right where I'm camping. I don't have to wake up before light. I just need to wake up. And as soon as I step, stand up, I can start glassing. And I usually see bulls from that spot. Every oh. time I'm in there, it's a, I step up or I get out of bed, stand up, kind of step out of the trees. Cause I, I put my camp in some oak brush just to hide it a little bit. And I see yeah. bulls, 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 bulls. Usually there's some sort of bull somewhere. And I wanted to kind of hit my closer ridges first. And so I, I hiked about, oh, just eighth of a mile or it's like that eighth of a mile. I don't know. Let's just say like 400 yards, <laughs> whatever that is. So, um, saw these two little bulls down the valley that I had just hiked up little four point and then, uh, just a, a pretty little five by five, just small, but, but just, a little bull they were kind of just hanging out by themselves feeding uh they actually started sparring just a little bit that gentle early season rattle put their antlers together and kind of test each other and then back to feeding it's like right i'm getting on these bulls i'm gonna figure out how to get on them the wind is going down at them but they're on the one side so i figure i'm gonna drop down into the the darker timber and they're on drop down to the 10 that wind as long as they stay somewhat on that side even if it's 20 yards up on that that south facing slope i'll be good so dropped down got into that timber there and i did exactly what i wanted to and learned from the previous time was get in get within 100 yards and then just be patient uh and just call and and do some things because i knew they were not they were not hot and heavy looking for cows they're just two bachelor 
hanging out. So thought curiosity is probably my thing I need to do with them. An opportunity of there's a cow over here that they would be willing to check out. So I I sat up. I I did have my uh, ultimate predator decoy on uh, because that's been my my issue in previous years is that hang up zone where they just stop at that 50 yards and I just need them to come a little closer. So here's my battle with that. I kept thinking about this. Do I throw the decoy on and it helps them get through that little little hang-up area? That window, yes. Yeah. Or if I throw it on, am I giving away my location? And then I don't ever have an opportunity for that that uh, 10 yard shot that they're just walking by me. So right. there's yeah, I don't a, know. I've, ne- I've never hunted with one of those. So I, have you ever heard of um, Chris Rowe from yeah. Rowe hunting resources? He yeah. does. He explains that really well about, he calls it the bedroom, you know, and it's about you're calling somebody from down a hallway and uh, you're trying you know, somebody's going to walk around trying to find out where you are and they're going to stop at each doorway you just have to try to set yourself up to figure out where that doorway is going to be and have that elk step into that doorway for you. So, um, I don't know with the decoy, that's, that's a tough call. I've never, I've never really used them. I've kind of had questions about them and, and I've second guessed them. Um, so I haven't really got into them, but yeah, I, I don't know. In this scenario it worked, but I could see it going either way, honestly now. And and that's a really good analogy, actually, because that's the I, I really enjoyed listening to him lately on the whole yeah. drive down there and way back. I was listening to some of his stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I got down. I dropped down as low as I could and was hoping with the angle at which they'd become and they may just make their way kind of up into the timber a little bit and traverse towards me. thought that's maybe the way they're going to come. So I just hang out there. It's probably... 10 minutes, just some light cow calling, nothing crazy, maybe a little bugle in there, I think. I can't remember, but just mild, mild calling. And never saw them at all. Uh, had a bunch of cattle in the area above me, so breaking sticks and doing all that. So that throws you off. Didn't know what, what was above me exactly, but yeah. pretty sure they were cattle. And then I uh, I see them coming directly below me so the two the little one is first he drops down absolutely to the bottom and that's when he caught my wind he backed up and just kind of hung out there at i don't know that was probably like 60 yards or so as they dropped down and as soon as they kind of spooked a little bit i had bolted in there and knew that they were not focused on like looking back but they were just oh what happened what happened I smelt something. The other guys, what'd you do? What'd you do? I didn't how smell. Late in the, how, how late in the morning is this? Are you are you fighting thermals or anything yet? Are you worried about thermals going up to them? Or are you not that late in the morning yet at no. this point? No, no, this is like 8 o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah. He kind of spooks. I dropped down to get a little closer. And again, just I'm trying to think about that. Those thermals are going down. So trying right, to just, yeah. I, I can't figure out how to, I can't swing around on their same side because it's the open face of the hill i'll just be in the wide open and and so i dropped down a little closer and i bet there was another way to do this but it worked out had uh um and probably hang up the one little bull he ended up barking at me and said forget this i'm out 
and eventually he kind of went back and forth and <clears throat> he he left the the bigger one which was great never did win me and he just kept going back and forth and back and forth and i i just totally kept playing a little cat and mouse but for 10 minutes it was staring at me through kind of the the leaves and the trees and the brush there at 50 yards something like, like that he, he knows he knows he should be able to see you now but he can't y- yeah but kind i had that, yeah, yeah but i had that decoy on there so i i think he saw something and oh, i okay. and i think that's what kept his attention it's like there's a cow there there's a cow there and i started then getting actually some i heard some mews behind me up the hill so i had more uh real life decoys up there yeah <laughs> I get a little a little help there yeah so that was like perfect John at me at 10 yards above the <laughs> so uh so i don't know what was coming but heard a couple little mews and had a so he he kind of was going back and forth and when he hit went through some thicker brush i dropped down another another five ten yards uh and he he made his way back up a hill just a little bit in his one of his little decision-making things of figuring how he wanted, what he wanted to do. And he was at 40 yards, perfectly broadside, drew back. And right when he was in the brush, kind of before he was broadside and he stopped in the opening and, and thumped him. So I I never did see the arrow path. And that's the one thing that's, that's making me wonder about some things that happened afterwards. But he, it was like, you hear that, like a good sound of it sounded like a rib breaking and yeah actually that's what it was probably but hear that rib break and then him just turning and wheeling and going and just like ouch ouch i'm hurt and he was going so he probably ran 100 yards before he kind of went out of sight and i i gave her 45 minutes or so chilled out for a little bit try to drink some coffee uh but he's on the hot side of the mountain is where he went on that south facing slope so i thought all right it's 85 today gonna be 85 and i'm gonna give him the 45 minutes because that was a good shot felt good and give him that time time on that hill side right so head over um follow get that first blood first blood was good uh started following it and i just i knew where he, his the last time i saw him was but i just wanted to follow the blood just for sure uh because i get ahead of myself sometimes and then you don't the last point you saw him i saw him may not be the last spot i find blood it may be yeah. 20 yards ahead of that or behind it so it's a good lot to, of people a lot of people make that mistake too and they get to they let emotions take over and they get excited and and they rush. They just rush the process. Just stick to the process, and it'll work out. Yeah, find yeah. finding blood is not easy. That is no. It is hard. It is really hard, and being really slow and, and trying to tune your eyes into the looking for that blood is is hard. So I I followed that. I get around this this little finger ridge where he and it's all this uh, uh, service berry oak brush kind of hillside with but it's pretty open yet and he jumps up at 66 yards is what he what he was I'm like oh frick, that was not what i was expecting uh yeah so at this point you're expecting him to be dead right yeah 
yeah. You, you're thinking you're thinking you had a well placed shot. Oh yeah, yeah. So I fumble like a, oh, a range this sixty six yards. Turn my my dial to sixty six. Draw back and he's walking away and there was a like a desperation send an arrow kind of thing. It's just that was stupid, but um, I, I at that point it's like why did I dial? It's at sixty six yards. I have a HHA um, site that is a four pin, so it's my twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, and then anything past that I like to dial, uh, but I don't really shoot a ton past that. Uh-huh. Um, but if I like, or, or 60, I'm even good. Last year I shot my bullet 60 and I didn't touch my dial because he can just put the 50 on his back. Good to go. Uh, right. But so that was just in the heat of the moment of 66 yards. That's a ways I need to dial that in. But I didn't, didn't. coming out. He was facing. So okay. away blood coming out and that was an exit wound. And then when he stopped, broadside for me and i could see he had a good entrance hole like where i hit him uh maybe a touchback but it was lung in that area yeah and it ended up actually being the fourth rib from the back so uh, i got pictures of it and not posting those at all just because they're gruesome yeah. but um where where i shot i was like that'd be fine i'd do that again i'd rather shoot a little uh, further forward, but it's fine. Um, but you're in the ribs, so you're, you yeah. should be in the lungs. You should be good to go. Yeah. So that arrow hit and then jetted backwards. And I don't know how or what happened with that. If that, and I don't even think there was, I don't think I hit a branch. Um, it was clear. And even looking at it later, it's, it's, it was clear. So I don't know if I hit a branch I have seen a few things on my bow or a few arrows in the last week or two before I went where I had a couple like almost corkscrew through the air. But I thought, because I've had a had an issue lately of some fletchings not sticking and I don't know what's happening with that. So, but I but I use my old arrows, not my new ones that were fre- freshly fletched. So I don't, I really don't know what happened. If I don't think it would have corkscrewed through the air or had hit something because when that happens, I usually can see it because that arrow is actually moving a little slower. So you got just a little bit of a, holy crap, what just happened there? That thing was, was moving funny. So I, and I don't, so I don't think that was the case, but. Do you, do you use um, expandable broadheads or fixed blades? I use both, but in this situation, that was a a G5 Montec and those are are my go-to for elk. That's uh, my go-to for really any archery that I'm doing, but yeah, and I and I have Rage Tripans. Uh, I, I I really really like those for just because they are the thicker um, thicker blade, and I have one of the I carry those also for that exact situation. Something that's not 20 yards, and they're standing broadside. <laughs> I and I didn't use it so because um, I've watched I watched my buddy plug some deer in the holes that those things put in there uh yeah but i know on on elk it's just yeah it's it's, it's a little risky for me so i don't want to do it but um 
I'm because well, that's what I was that's what I was wondering is if maybe like one of the sides of your broadhead didn't deploy, but if you're using a fixed blade, that that yeah. negates that. Yeah, yeah. So it it uh, did something funky. So anyway, that he jumped up and didn't get another arrow in him. So off he off he went just uh, around the up the next finger ridge, which these are these little finger ridges are hundred yards apart, so they're not real big. So I back off. Okay, let me go get my. I went and got my camp and thought, all right, he's he's gonna be dead. Let me go up to cell service, text my buddies that were my gonna be my my help for for a pack out. Just give them a heads up what's going on. Grab my camp and I'm gonna actually pack get out of here because it's gonna be dead. I know I got him, and so yeah. I, I I did that. I just chilled out. So two hours later. Hike back down there with all my crap. Walk up to that kind of that last spot, ready to roll, creeping in there because I know I was like he could be still bedded here, and I got to stick another arrow in him. So follow that up to that last spot I saw him, and probably twenty thirty yards from the last spot I saw him, I look up the hill and he's bedded under a tree, just kind of he's hurting, mouth open, almost looked like he was chewing on his cud a little bit. Uh, but could have been, you know, choking on some stuff. Yeah. So he's laying Probably there doing that, had that heavy, heavy breathing. Yeah. You yeah. See him like panting. Yeah. Laying there at 20 yards and I'm going to, best thing I had there was just right at his neck. It's like 20 yards, one arrow in his neck right there. It'll be good. Um, really easy shot, draw back and I release the arrow and my dial was still on 66 yards. Oh, no. Yeah. That right there was the epitome of the worst part of that whole deal. Um, because that was the spot I could have corrected everything. And I had everything I was doing right. And and this is where I just sunk down low, just like, you got to be kidding me. I I was playing a game right. I was doing everything right. I there's so many spots for error, and that was one of those spots for error that that uh, I lost. So yeah, that that bothered me big time. Yeah, I and, and, that up as a loss. For yeah. Sure. So he he jumped up and kind of moseyed up the hill, and he's standing up there. And I was like, I don't know where you are. That's fifty. Uh, all right, that looks like 50. Stand there broadside, one over his back again, which must have been 30. I don't know. The, it's just that open country is so hard sometimes to do a – I am – if I don't know the range, I am almost worthless <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Man, I got to know the range. If And then – because I just second guess it too many times. Yeah. So – and that's what bothers me is like, I'm a good shot. I feel like I'm a good shot. I, I, I'm not the best, but I feel like I could, I could, I could do pretty well uh, against a lot of people, and I usually do in my little bit of my shooting competitions. I'm usually in that top, top five to ten out of out of the group. So, uh, but when I'm in front of an animal, oh man, it's a different story. <laughs> There's a. Uh, there's so much stuff I got to think of so quick, but, um, yeah, so he jumped up and 
I get that last one over his back and I run up to where he was. I saw him last so I can see him making his way up the other little finger ridge and he's just walking, walking, walking. And I can see the shiny broadhead sticking out that hind quarter. So I was like, okay, it's still in him. So that whole thing. Oh, so the arrow's still buried deep inside of him. Yeah. The whole length of it. Yeah. Because I never found that. And well, and then you're you're big enough. You're shooting full length arrows, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. Wow. So yeah, he he makes his way right up there, and he disappears behind just a small little piece of oak brush. And it's like, okay, where'd you go now? Where did you go now? And I and I lost him from there. So I I backed off another two hours and said, all right, if he's dead now, after all that, then I don't want him sitting here any longer. And make my way up to that spot, and I looked for the rest of the day. Looked and looked and looked and looked, and it was hot, getting really hot, and I had no idea where he was at. I grid-searched that whole thing. My Onyx just looks like my my tracks are just going everywhere. And made it to the, the next finger ridge, thought he's gonna, he only went 50 to 100 yards every time I bumped him. So it's like he, he can't be far. He just tipped over all this movement just made him tip over and he was done. So I, I, that night I, I just went back to camp and I set my camp back up, even though I had packed it all up, but, uh, went in the next day back into that area and looked and looked again. It got even hotter that, that day. So between naps and looking for birds, uh, and some, some vultures started seeing some some ravens and i was like i don't know where you guys are going it just it wasn't a nice little tornado of birds above it so i I couldn't tell where they were going um but i was like okay i'm seeing birds things dead i saw a bear track headed kind of down down the ridge to to where i was looking and um I, i i looked everywhere i looked all over trying to reason where the heck he went and that day, whoops, hurt my dog. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, followed followed every little possible route that that thing would have taken out looking at because it was leaving good good blood on almost the whole way. Like I could find injury on both sides, losing a lot of blood, uh, and it's a liver shot too. So liver and ended up being one lung. Um, so next day. So as so I was shot it on Tuesday morning. Tuesday looked all day. Wednesday looked all day. Thursday morning I said, forget it. I'm gonna give this whole place a break. I'm hiking out. And on the hike out, he's dead in the trail on the way out. And really? I, I couldn't believe it. A mile from where I saw him last. Wow. Yeah, so he he went a mile and I, I couldn't believe that. I was not expecting him to be that way. It was all downhill, but he also had walked uphill to, after he was shot for a while. So did you literally just kind of stumble upon him? Yeah. Yeah. Like on the on the trail. There's a there's an old Forest Service gate right before um kind of this hike up. And he I can tell he jumped that gate. And that was the end of it. Like, oh gosh, I can't jump and piled up right at the bottom 
in a nice, cool little creek bottom. Uh, he was getting closer and closer and closer to the trailhead every time I jumped him. And where he died was a half mile from from my four-wheeler. So it was just getting closer and closer. And, and that was where the, it's like, you got to be kidding me. If I was just given up or something or walked out that, or decided to just walk out that day after I'd packed my camp up, uh, I would have ran right into him and he'd be yeah. down there. So it's just so many, so many shoulda, coulda, wouldas that I don't. How was the, how was the meat? Now so, you're, you're talking, he's been, he probably been dead two days. Yeah. Yeah. So the front quarter was ripped up by a bear. There was four or five piles of bear crap around uh hind end was eaten out guts were kind of there so i dug into the back strap the back strap, everything looked not everything looked okay it it looked like it had the trauma below the skin level uh so but it wasn't trauma um but the i cut into the back strap and gave everything a sniff there was some of it that was more gag worthy than other but uh just about everything. It everything did have a, a tint to it that was Oh bummer. Yeah, pretty rough. So it was a it was an absolute no go. So I was what I did then was I videotaped everything and I and I flipped the bullet around. I showed the entrance, I showed the exit, it clip I dissected into it. My arrow wasn't there then, which is odd. So he pulled it out or got it caught on a branch somewhere and it got pulled out. But he he uh, got hit in the lung, and then it went back somewhere. And I, uh, yeah, low. But yeah, yeah so videotaped all, every yeah every quarter, every quarter, and figured out. Or so just in case the game warden wants me to pull out rotten meat, hike it out. Okay, just fine. I'll do that. But let me get some video evidence of what's going on here because it's in the trail, and the muzzleloaders that are going to come, muzzleloader hunters that are going to come in, or the next archer that's coming in is uh, they're going to see it. And they're going to see a headless bull here. So that just looks like some poacher came in and, and shot this or didn't want to pack it out. So I really did everything I could, checked every single quarter, cut into them all, and and gave them all a sniff. And it was I, – I gagged a few times. So, uh, oh. yeah, that was enough to see see that. So that's where the picture came in where right as I found that, I just like – I wanted a picture, but it was like a, I'm not really, don't really feel like I can smile right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I looked at your picture. I'm actually looking at it now. I pulled it up on the phone and, uh, you look everything less than thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I it's like, it's just that, that bittersweet. I found it, but. Like it brings yeah. the closure to it. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not the happy closure that you were, you were hoping for. Yeah. And so I, I told, I was, I didn't tell anybody this. I, I was thinking about it over and over and over again over those two days. So this roller coaster of emotions of I am now, uh, am I recovering a bull that the meat is good? Am I moving on and continue to hunt? Do I punch my tag right now? Am I done? Am I, I just spent $700 on a tag and I walked home with uh, a little set of five point antlers. Uh, yeah. I really wanted some meat. I really like sharing that. I had some few folks home 
really excited about me bringing home some meat for that possibility. So that, that was going through my mind and all of the, I was just down on myself for not messing with my dial or for messing with my dial. I'm down on myself for, um, one little, if a lot of new hunters are wanting to jump into archery just because a lot of those folks are maybe if the guns are nervous about the guns. And so archery is kind of that thing, but man, there's so much things, so many things that can happen, uh, with archery that, that, uh, I, I feel like there's more room for error. Yeah. At times. So to be like someone like me, who's been shooting a bow a long time, ready to just take that $2,000 worth of equipment and chuck it in the weeds <laughs> and just be so upset of, you got to be kidding me. I, I don't even feel like I should be bow hunting. It just, and I've lost other animals and it gets really frustrating, really frustrating. Like you got to be kidding me. What did I do wrong this time? And it eats you up for a while. It's not like you, you get over it in a day. You sit there and you play that over and over and over again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I told that story at work and I started shaking a little bit. And just now as I'm kind of, I'm kind of got that little nervous, like kind of chilly, cold shake. Mm-hmm. That, that same thing I feel like right now as I'm telling that story just because it it bothers me bothers the crap out of me that that went through those two days of kind of the ups and downs so man I just the people that are kind of getting into into this world of well I'd like my own meat they don't know this part that this crap happens and you better be ready you better be absolutely ready. I had this conversation yesterday with a brand new hunter. She just shot her first first deer this morning on her birthday, which is pretty cool. And uh, biggest worry is from her was, what if I don't put it down right away? What if I don't put it down right away? And I'm telling her, I was like, I'm I'm just here. You're the tag holder. I can't make that follow up shot legally. You have to. And right. so just really trying to lay out the this is the reality of what we're doing. We're killing something and there's no fluff around it. So yeah, it definitely made me think about that. All those new hunters. So anyway, cut the, cut the head off the, or skinned out the head and had a simple little pack out, if you call it that. And, um, yeah, so pulled that out, but, needed a break from that and, and hung out with some, some friends and decided, all right, next day. Oh no, I actually, as I, I hiked, I drove out, called the game warden right away. And right. Yeah, as, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you how you approached that. Did you, did you report it? So he wasn't getting, or he knew how to address phone calls that were coming in about it. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to head there. There was a gate and I took a, I had my pen from, I always have a pen with my, in my kill kit, but there's, I took a, piece of gauze the wrapper from the gauze that was the only thing that i could write on and i wrote a note right there saying hey there's a dead bull at the bottom of the hill here um that's mine i shot it on tuesday found it on thursday uh did everything i could i'm sorry that you have to see this thing here uh did everything i could i have reported it something to that effect so i wrote a note too because somebody coming up on a dead bull suddenly gonna wonder what the heck's going on so yeah, um, 
wrote the note, drove up uh, top of the hill, got cell service, called him, left him a message, and then ran into him on the way out. So that was that was even more of a, a bonus there, and I got to stop and chat with him and tell him the story. And he was he was more than understanding of of everything that happened there. Of uh, and and he he's an archery hunter, I know it, and so he. Um, that's a nice thing. It's like, I, I worked in that area. I know the, know the game wardens. So, and I know, so I was, I had their numbers on my phone and was able to talk to him a little bit. And, and, uh, so he, he knew me, he kind of knows my, my story and was able to tell him the truth. And he, he didn't even ask for the pictures or video or anything like that, but I told him and I said, it's there probably going to get some calls on it. So, yeah, and I showed him, showed him the bowl, showed him my tag, and and moved on. So yeah, but and he said, "Well, go shoot a bear in there and off of it." I was like, "Okay, sounds good." Well, I gave it that a break and got in there the next day. Didn't even get there at light. Just kind of got there at uh, oh, and it was like seven thirty, and I said, "I am, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm sitting here." all day long until something something's coming to that big old stinky bull now yeah yeah there's bear crap all over it so i am gonna shoot there's gonna be something here and i'm just gonna wait i got nothing going on just wait so uh 20 minutes later bear comes out (laughs) 20 minutes that's all it took 20 minutes bear comes out and i was like okay let me watch you for a little bit went down to get a drink walked over to the the carcass and started feeding i was like you got any cubs with you no all right and i could tell she's like you're not a big bear but you're a bear and i've been wanting some bear meat really bad yeah uh so i'm gonna okay you're mine so i made that decision took her and it was a it was a sow um but there's she wasn't accompanied by any 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 cubs so do you does does Colorado have um like sow limits per unit? Do they have uh, a sow harvest limit? So down here, so the unit I hunt bears here, you're they're allowed to take one sow. Once one sow is taken, the unit shuts down. Bear hunting is closed. Oh sure, no, and uh, yeah. So so I mean that's that's something that a lot of people really pay. The, avid bear hunters i guess really yeah. pay attention for the, the guy that's going out that's never hunted bears before shoots the first bear they see and you know there's times where unfortunately they don't they don't take the uh the veteran move and, and pay attention and look for cubs and whatnot but yeah so, so some of these units get shut down in in the first week of being open oh geez yeah, yeah. no we we don't have that um there's always in general no we don't it's it's an either sex tag and it's uh that one was a leftover that i pulled off but we have i think we have some like archery over the counter of some sort but the the bear numbers are so high that they just i i think actually they've done some some kills in that area where the cpw goes in and does some they do some removal um, and they have that they have that new thing i think it's so it's only a couple of years new last year maybe the year before where you can you can pick up like an otc bear tag for like a hundred bucks or something and carry that 
Yeah, so all the bear tags are all a hundred bucks, and that's why I bought it. But it that yeah. a bear with my rifle tags in that first September, and so oh, okay. I, I wanted to. I was more concerned if I really want some bear meat, really want some my my bear fat is kind of and grease that I made is is not really any good anymore, and I didn't do it right the first time. So I really want to mess around with that because I've been having fun cooking with that, but the. Uh, uh, so it, it it was just a a rifle rifle tag and okay, but I have uh, been using these these barns, all copper, hundred eighty grain in my in my thirty odd six, and I I am so impressed with them. Like they have dropped every single thing, either in its tracks, or a mountain goat went five yards. And I plugged him in and he dropped. But anywhere from elk to mountain goat to bear, multiple bears with these rounds. Oh my gosh, they just drop. It's I, I finally have found the round that I really, really like hunting with. So Yeah. That and that that little bear is only 175 pounds or so. Um she her teeth had some decent wear to them. So I'm really interested. We get to find out how old they are because they take a tooth from it. So we'll know, I'll know next year. It takes about a year for that data to come out, but right. we'll know how old it is. So definitely not my biggest bear. I've got a one really good sized bear and not my smallest bear. <laughs> so I've got, I'd be right in the middle, a really thick black, pretty coat. And yeah, she's a, she's a good, I mean, she's a pretty looking bear. She's got a good color. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the hunt. I ended up being able to leave, um, Oh, my dog is dragging my Exo Mountain Gear pack across the floor just because I haven't washed it yet. Oh. <laughs> it's like, you are not chewing on that at <laughs> all. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I was able to to get some meat out of the deal, and that was kind of the, the big thing. I do have five deer tags here in, in South Dakota and uh, a couple antelope and I'll have that tag down, but I like the diversity of it. I really, really like deer meat and elk would have been great, but yeah, just throw something different in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Antelope's been my kind of go-to lately. Really, really into antelope lately. See, I've, I've never hunted antelope. I think I've maybe eaten antelope one time. Um, that's my, I think that's my 2022 goals is I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to like travel, take a week or two and travel, a few states and, and hunt antelope oh nice next year yeah nice well well then what you need to do is go buy a point for south dakota if i know this is a ways to come for an antelope but you can get a lot of tag or just about any tag with one or two points or three points okay so, yeah and you yeah, can buy I'm, I, I'm not worried about the distance um over the counter sweet sweet yeah any any points in in south dakota you just you can just about buy them all up till like december 15th or something like that and okay, 10, I'm gonna look into that. Ten bucks a piece, and you don't have to buy a license to do it. So that's kind of nice. But yeah, so there's my there's my uh, bittersweet, heartbreaking story, and makes me feel like a complete failure sometimes. That's what that was the main feeling I had as I was dealing with that. Is I feel like a failure, absolute yeah. failure. So. That's understandable, but, yeah. um, but 
I mean, and a lot of people think, you know, you wasted an animal, but the way I look at it is other things got to eat too. Yeah. So it's not like that animal just goes 100% to waste it. It turns into food for a thousand other things. And then, you know, it, it does its part in nature. I saw a post today of a guy that pulled a arrow out of a, he shot a bull. I don't even know what state, but pulled an arrow out of it and said, to the idiot, blah, 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 shot placement. You need to know shot place, placement. And the comments were just, they just ripped him to shreds. Like, you don't know the situation. Yeah. You don't know what happened. And so too bad we're not all as good as you are. And blah, blah, blah. Just ripped him apart. It was kind of funny. To your episode, I would say two episodes ago. No, I think it's the most recent one you did on uh, trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the I Hunt Colorado page and, and some of the comments and stuff that come through there. Um, I, you know, I have a bigger page, and I and I deal with comments like that regularly. You know, I'll post I'll post something for somebody, and it's just they sit there and open up on each other, and I don't understand it. Like we are we are all here as one community why the heck are we just sitting here putting each other down? Right. I, I don't get it. And then I get messages and, and I'll get DMS of this person talking junk about, well, why would they shoot that small? Let it happen. Stop attacking people. Right. Um, and I, I've gotten to the point where when I sit there and I start seeing these, these trash talking posts, I'm going off on a rant now. I'm sorry, but no, I, I see the, I see these comments in these posts and I'll start deleting them and, and people will get pissed off and they'll, they'll message me. Why did you delete my comment? And I'm like, this isn't the time or place. If you want to have a problem with that guy, message him independently and have a conversation with him. You don't need to be blasting it on here. That's not what honey page is about. It's about a community coming together. This is a page for you guys for everybody, anybody that represents the hunters of Arizona. So why are we and just down talking because it doesn't fit your standards of an animal or your quality that you chase. I've been kind of sharing that as a, for, for those people joining this community, you're not joining a, the Republican or democratic party, which is the majority it's not like it's not 50 50 but say 50 50 of the nation you're joining a community yeah. that's six percent of the nation and right. that six percent when you divide it you got three percent so when you you're really hurting yourself we're already the minority so the yeah. minority can't have division within the minority <laughs> you're just not gonna get anywhere and yeah and I love what Clay Newcomb says. Uh, he talks about guard the gate. And I know a lot of people don't care about trapping and they don't care about maybe trail cameras, but yeah, was, that's what we're facing here is that yeah, trail camera ban. You don't know if it's trail cameras today or if it's archery hunting tomorrow or it's hunting with hounds in this state and bear hunting in this state. It's, it, it's, if, if this issue doesn't affect you now, that's fine. But you have to, you still have to stand up for it because someday one of the issues that you, one of the things that you do as an outdoorsman is going to get attacked. Absolutely. It's, you're going to have your back against the wall and then you, you might lose that battle. 
and then you're pissed off because nobody, not enough people voted for it because it doesn't affect them. Well, you were in those shoes. It always affects you. Whether you do that style of hunting, whether you hunt with trail or you use trail cameras or you hunt with hounds in some way, it affects you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, I've, I'm, so. sitting here, I'm sitting here. My, <laughs> my brain is running through it right now. And I'm, there's, there's that. And I mean, you know, I get the messages from those people, the messages from the antis. I'm sitting here like, I could go off all day for this. The way people display their animals, have, have some courtesy. Not everybody needs to see that. Um, try to clean it up a little bit. Try not to make, try not to give the anti-hunters or the people attacking us the ammo to come attack us more and use their own photos against us. Yeah. But I'm not going off anymore. I'm sorry. No, I could go off for, I, that's a whole nother episode. Call me up when you want to do another one. Yep. And we'll, we'll, we'll revisit trophy hunting again. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's so much more. I didn't even touch with that, but yeah. Um, yeah. So anything else we need to talk about or. No, I've, okay. that was, that was a wild, a wild weekend, man. I'm, I'm sorry that your, your elk hunt turned out the way it did. Yeah, and I and I just walked in the office today of talked to a guy that in South Dakota drew his his uh bull tag uh 14 15 years I think it took him for archery bull and he, um and either lost it or completely missed it. He doesn't even know. So, no blood, no arrow, no. He kind of walked off and joined his cow. So, he's I chatted with him a little bit today. He's like, he's in the exact same position I was on, yeah. on Tuesday. Didn't know quite what to what to do. He's like, because I asked him like, what, what now? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. And you feel bad about it too. There with a a tag that takes fourteen years. Mine was over the counter. A tag that takes mm-hmm. fourteen years. Now I got a little bit more pressure of, well, I don't get to do this again in my lifetime. Cause there's a nine year waiting period plus 14. Oh, wow. Uh, so myself, I'm going to get one bull in color in South Dakota. Uh, that's all I'll ever get. Cause I had to start over with my points as soon as I moved here. So let's say a little point creep 20 years from now, nine year waiting period. Uh, I'm soon now 64. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't so- wait. So those, those numbers, is that kind of standard around this state or, or how does that I'm at eight or nine years now? And, uh, you know, there's a guy I hunt with, I think he's pushing, he's a resident and I think he's pushing 16 or 17 points. Um, non-resident, you're looking 20 plus pro, I would say, I mean, you might get lucky and draw sooner than that, but, um, some units you can draw an elk tag here with, with single digit numbers. No, it's um, there's only like nine units. They only manage the elk in the Black Hills area. We've got prairie elk units as well, kind of like Nebraska's stuff, but it's those are managed based on tolerance of landowners tolerating damage that they 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 cause. So, but okay. in general, seventeen years is the average for when you draw that. So there's no there's no gimme units, there's no five, six, seven unit year units. It's pretty straight across the board, average of fit seventeen. And it, you could pick up some cow tags every few years if you wanted to, but 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and I may do that in the future, but yeah. It's a, it's, it's a long time. It sounds like that's and that sucks yeah. for that guy that you're talking about. You know, now he's he's at that waiting. He's waited that yeah. long, and now he's not sure if he stuck a bull or or what to do from here. Yeah, and our so our residents definitely. I, I've seen some folks complain about oh, we never get a chance to share bulls. Like, well, we've got 7,500 elk in the state for 800,000 people is how we don't even have a million people in, in the state, but, um, probably pretty close somewhere in there, but with everyone moving here, but, um, they complain about, I'm never going to get one, never going to get one. Well, this is not, this, this whole state is like a trophy state. Yeah. You have to look at it like that. If you want to go hunt elk every year, you got to go to another state. That's just the way it is. Yep. And do you, are you just going to have one elk hunt in your life? You'll never learn anything about elk hunting if you hunt once every 25 years. <laughs> and you're probably not going to be successful. I mean, you're just yeah. taking one. I mean, you, you may, but. Well, I'm going to, I said this today and I could get just totally reamed for it, but I'm not going to say it to anybody that's actually been hunting in South Dakota, but I want to guess that our elk are just that much easier to hunt. <laughs> i'm gonna throw that out there just because somebody, somebody will get for it. i know but i want to i want to know if that's the truth or not but the, just because our our success rate across the board is 80 percent, and i i just see some of these people that that are harvesting and i hear some of the stories and like why was that bull not sp- spooked why was i not spooked my buddy was driving down the road the other day off of a major highway and they're standing off the side there bugling hundred yards away. And <laughs> like, eh, these bulls are definitely not pressured the same. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, they're, I'm, I'm sure they still have plenty of their regular instinct to them that makes them wild, but I don't know. Maybe they're not, not the typical hunted like crazy, know what a bugle is and shut up and <laughs> yeah like a every bull in colorado so yeah well those colorado bulls they hear every different sound and type of bugle everything from the sound of a dying cat to an actual <laughs> nice nice sounding experienced elk caller so yeah exactly well um i can let you go we can uh, right. wrap this up and and uh, probably get to bed. So, um, but anyway, I appreciate you you chatting with me a little bit and letting me tell tell a story with the not to myself. Yeah, it makes it, it makes it a little better to be able to talk to somebody else. Again, another little plug for Honeyz on Instagram. So go check them out. And it's always fun to see. Uh, I haven't ever hunted Arizona, not yet. Will be. Uh, but it's fun to see the the big bulls and big bucks that come out of there, and the and the coos deer for sure because they don't get to. It's nice to get get some eyes on some coos deer to see what what people are shooting. So go check yep. them out. All right, Ryan. Well, we'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Clint.